In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Hi there. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Joining me now is Karen Curley, who has got the greatest uh, job title, Intensive Care Services Director. She works for Washington County Mental Health Services. And as I mentioned before in the beginning of the show, September is Suicide Prevention Month. And that's why Karen's on the show, to talk about suicide here in Vermont. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for having me. Thanks for switching with Asher. That was very nice of you last minute last night. I really appreciate it. Um, that was nice. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do at Washington County Mental Health? Sure, absolutely. So I, uh, by training, I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, I have had the privilege of working in mental health emergency services for 25 years, so oh. a long time now. Um, I, as you said, I'm the intensive care service director at Washington County Mental Health. And just a little bit about Washington County Mental Health. It's one of our 10 designated agencies in the state of Vermont. And the designated agencies are a system that are contracted through the Department of Mental Health to provide community mental health services and developmental services for Uh, Vermonters. And uh, just really quickly about intensive care services, um, I appreciated, Pat, you saying that I had a snazzy title. Uh, (laughs) Very impressive. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. So the way that we're organized at Washington County Mental Health, we have five clinical divisions, one of which is intensive care services. And I often liken us in the healthcare system to the emergency department and express care. Those are the programs that are within intensive care services at Washington County. So we are the people who are on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week to respond to mental health emergencies and urgent care situations. And just so people know that are listening, you do, you do go out on these calls on some of them anyway. Do you not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's great. Um, and just so the people know, I've had Mary Moulton, who's the executive director, on the show quite a few times. I am a member of the Mary Moulton fan club here in Vermont. Um, I love Washington Me County. Too, Pat. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is an amazing woman, honest to God. We are so fortunate yeah. here to have her at the helm. Anyway, um, it's, as I said, it's National Suicide Prevention Month. And I just don't hate to start out with statistics, but I think that'll frame it, the discussion for us. Could you talk about the, the number of suicide, you know, the a breakdown of age and sex and, and who and how people are taking their lives? I find that discussion fascinating, sad, but fascinating. Yes, yes absolutely. So, um, I'll just say at the beginning that all of my statistics come either from the Center for D- Disease Control or the Vermont Department of Health. The Vermont Department of Health um, does a great job of um, uh, collecting the data and then um, 
putting it into reports that are really well organized and thorough and comprehensive. So that's where my statistics come from. I started uh, really wide with my statistics and then got more specific to Vermont. But um, just for all of our awareness, an estimated 1 million people uh, worldwide die by suicide every year. And suicide ranks among the three leading causes of death for folks who are ages 15 to 44 in our world. Um, In 2022, 49,500 people died by suicide in the United States. And in Vermont in 2021, 142 Vermonters took their lives and died by suicide. Uh, In terms of specificity of populations, uh, the highest risk uh, category is for males ages 25 to 44. Um, That actually has switched in the last several years. It used to be uh, men over the age of 65. Um, 15 to 24-year-olds have the highest intentional self-harm rates. Uh, So they... Well, they don't, they're not the highest risk category to die by suicide. They are the highest risk category to intentionally uh, ingest substances that poison them. Um, Speaking of adolescents and youth, suicide is the second leading cause of death among our youth and young adults uh, in Vermont, and that is second only to accidents. Um, males, as I said earlier, males are more likely to die by suicide uh, in terms of gender. Uh, Veterans, uh, we should pay attention to our veterans. Um, They die by suicide at a rate three times higher than non-veterans. In terms of how people are dying by suicide, the number one, more than half of the deaths in Vermont related to suicide are by firearms. Um, And then the other uh, areas um, are hangings, suffocation, and poisonings. Um, And then my last, well, my last couple of statistics are that more than half the people who died by suicide visited a primary care office within the last year, most actually within the uh, last few months before their death. Huh. Um, Can I just stop you, Karen? Yeah, How come they're absolutely. doing that? They're trying to be uh, talked out of it? They're trying to f- a lifeline to to not, get them? Why, why would they yeah, do that? Not necessarily. It's a great question. I, I think more what it speaks to from my perspective are prevention efforts. So it's less, they, they, they very well might be going to their primary care doctor seeking out uh, help. Um, and I think um, lots of times we go to our primary care doctor because we're not feeling well. And so whether we're not feeling well uh, mentally or physically, and I think the, the bigger importance is how do we make sure that we're asking the questions mm-hmm. of people, making those connections, um, and connecting them then with treatment services that can be helpful and supportive? Hmm. So that's that's more what I 
think of with that statistic. Uh, people also visit their primary care doctor because we should for wellness checks. And so, yes, it could very well be a sign that they're distressed. It also indicates for me that it's a, a, a window of opportunity for us as providers to ask the questions, to offer the connections, right. and to offer the support. Yeah. When we talked about this the other day, you mentioned that window of opportunity, and we were talking about a statement that's on your website that says suicide is preventable and help is available. And wanted to talk about that this morning because clearly with a gun, it's it's there. It takes it once you pull that trigger, that's it. Um, and but other other options, if you have the time and and uh, mental health providers have the time, they could potentially change that individual's mind. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, why we have that statement and why I believe that statement is uh, I always. I feel like I have the most hopeful job in the world, and that might sound very strange to people, but I feel very privileged and humbled to have my job, and I love my job because I have the opportunity to talk to folks, and as long as people are alive and I'm talking with them, I have hope that we can change any definitive trajectory and choices that might lead towards somebody's tragic death. Um, the, the number one thing that we can do for suicide prevention is connection. So, so, so social isolation is a huge risk factor. Um, and so uh, when we say it is preventable, it's related to recognizing risk factors, recognizing warning signs um, and protective factors and uh, then being willing to engage with each other in conversations that can be hard, but also uh, can be hopeful. I think I'm also always mindful of uh, folks who have lost people uh, by suicide. And uh, as somebody who personally and professionally has experienced that, um, I'm always mindful that I completely understand that there are multiple stories where people didn't know and didn't see any of these signs that we'll talk about today right. in prevention. And my message there is we all we, we can never know what's going on inside another individual. We can only know what's going on inside ourselves and we can only do the best that we can right. Right. to be helpful to each other. Karen, um, there is a new number out there. 988. And along with a new initiative, which I'd love you to talk about, it's called Facing Suicide Vermont, a statewide prevention effort providing access to suicide prevention, education, support, and advocacy. Can you give us a talk about all nine, eight, I can saying it wrong, 988, sorry. Sure, absolutely. So, um, 988 is an initiative that uh, has happened nationwide. Um, it used to be the National Suicide uh, Hotline, and they changed their number to 988. And the reason that they changed their number to 988 was to try to make it more accessible for um, 
people in our country. Um, and the way it works is it's meant to be very similar to 911 in that you remember three digits as opposed to uh, a 1-800 number, and then you are connected with a person who has training in providing support for people who are experiencing distress and suicidal thoughts. Um, we also, at all of the designated agencies, we all have local numbers in Vermont uh, that are 24-hour, seven uh, days a week numbers. So uh, I'm always a proponent of giving people options. Um, and so 988 is one of the options alongside with our 24-hour a day, seven days a week numbers locally. There also is a number from Pathways Vermont that is a peer support warm line. Um, and also there are specific numbers for veterans through the Veterans Crisis Line and also specific, uh, it's called the Trevor Project for folks within mm. the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, no, I was just, I was actually, I'm, thank you for mentioning the LGBTQIA plus, uh, community, because I, I would think that would, that they've, they've run into some serious difficulties with bullying and just misunderstanding and, and, um, I would, I didn't see that down on, on my notes, but I think that, um, that's a group that, uh, bears support and, and, um, understanding for sure. So along yes. with, along with veterans and, and others, and I'm sure bullying itself must be, causes lots of uh, lots of uh, problems and I know when I work with uh, prevent child abuse Vermont um, bullying online is uh, can eventually lead to somebody making that final decision yes 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 so um, folks within the LGBTQI plus community have a higher rate of suicide attempts than um, other uh, parts of our population. And yes, bullying is what, what we would call, we, we have categories uh, called risk factors, yep. uh, warning signs, and protective factors. And bullying would be in the risk factor category of it leads to people feeling ostracized. It leads to people feeling distress within themselves, isolation, um, uh, angst distress. And so uh, absolutely bullying is a uh, immense uh, potential risk factor. Right. In terms of the online and cyber bullying, that absolutely is a huge risk factor. That also um, part of when we talk later about protective factors, it's um, the, the cyber uh, space and internet is uh, an area that uh, you can be living in a home with somebody and not know the extent of what's happening for them online um, related to things like bullying. Huh. Yeah, it's it's really, um, I, I had told you my experience with somebody I worked with that committed suicide. And we're going to talk about that a little later, but the signs were right in my face. I mean, it was like afterwards, of course, afterwards, you're, you're looking back going, why didn't I recognize it? It's not easy to recognize, especially if you know the person. Um, and 
you know who they are and and but they're struggling and so they're they're giving you clues all the time but you miss them and um that must lead to a little bit of guilt here and there because I sure was for a long time yes i think what i always want to say to folks is we're all doing the best we can um there there's this phrase that we use um uh, sometimes in the mental health world, we're all doing the best we can and we all can do better. And I think related to recognizing warning signs in other people, we're doing the best we can. Right. And um, and my job is also to raise awareness and to talk about the stigma related to mental health and suicide prevention. And so uh, warning signs absolutely are an area that if I can raise awareness about it, I can hopefully help with prevention efforts. Um, in terms of warning signs, uh, I don't know, Pat, do you want me to talk about that right yeah, now? Yeah, sure. You can skip around any way you want. <laughs> okay. I okay. can do this. <laughs> I, okay. So I, really with warning signs, what you're looking for is um, are, are changes, uh, changes in appetite. So uh, if you have somebody who used to have what we would call a healthy appetite and suddenly they're not eating as much or now they're eating much more, um, sleep. So we always ask about appetite, uh, sleep, and mood. And there's a reason behind that is that we're looking for First of all, how are those questions answered in terms of um, how the person is doing related to their mental health and overall well-being and also any changes? So changes in sleep. Uh, I used to sleep eight hours and now I'm sleeping 14 hours or I used to sleep eight hours and now I'm sleeping four hours. Those kind of changes are important to note and potentially can be warning signs. Other warning signs are things such as, I used to really love to go out for walks and now you ask me to go for a walk and I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel like it. Or I used to really enjoy reading and you notice that I haven't picked up a book in a couple of months. So um, disinterest in activities that I used to find enjoyment about and distancing. So. Um, I used to um, uh, want to go out for dinner and now I don't anymore and I haven't called or talked to my friends in quite some time or uh, you used to come home at the end of the day and ask me how I am and I used to talk a lot about it and now I'm saying, you know, one word, distant answers like fine. Those potentially could be warning signs of a lot of different things and uh, it's important to raise our awareness to be connected with each other. Because again, the protective factor that is the opposite of the warning factor is how do we stay connected, particularly during things like um, this pandemic that we've had for the last few years, during uh, these times of immense technology. Um, so technology can be both uh, a friend of a protective factor, and it can also be a foe dependent upon how it's used. So it's really about recognizing um, and staying, recognizing how are we doing, asking how each other are doing, and staying connected as much as possible. That's great. Um, I know you had, uh, on one of those parts of your website, you had said that all of us have a role in saving lives. And if we understood some of the warning signs, and you're right, they could be depression, they could be a million things. It doesn't necessarily 
need to lead to suicide, but you know, get maybe the person's just reaching out for help and we should be aware of the warning signs. Uh, especially I would think, um, there were some triggers that, um, that you covered in, in your, um, website that if you know that the person's faced a recent loss, if they've got financial problems, if, um, um, you know, maybe there's a disability issue, uh, uh, and if you know that they're alone, you need to couple that with what what their actions are. That maybe that would give you a a clearer picture of um, what these pe- what these folks are are doing and thinking. Exactly, exactly. And so you named several of um, uh, warning signs, risk factors in terms of changes in relationship status. So. Right. Um, those are risk factors, um, financial stress or, in, or loss of employment, uh, housing insecurity, financial insecurity, um, and then uh, your point about um, uh, having grief and loss uh, as well as um, illness, physical illness right. plays uh, a a part, and then one of the things I didn't talk about earlier in terms of prevention um, um, strategies uh, is related to. So, part of what we always look for is what's called access to means. So, with someone who's suicidal, in in my world, we look for does someone have suicidal thoughts? So, just because you have suicidal thoughts doesn't mean that you're going to act act on them. Uh, but does someone have suicidal thoughts? Do they have access to means? Do they have a plan to act on their suicidal thoughts? And do they have a history of attempts? Um, th- that's, th- that's what we're looking for in our world. I think um, a preventative measure that we all can be helpful with is reducing the access to means. Mm-hmm. So. Um, part of what you and I spoke about uh, in preparation for today is about guns. And um, I said that I um, am not one to want to get into a political discussion about guns. And what I can say is, in my world, any way that I can buy time Mm -hmm. uh, is incredibly uh, effective and helps me have hope. And so gun locks, locking um, up the firearm from uh, the ammunition, um, separate from the ammunition, uh, locking up medications or putting those away um, from uh, people's access. So putting barriers to the access to means slows down the potential for an impulsive act. And what I will say about, um, I just want to give a little shout out to gun dealers um, in our state, I'll, I'll give a shout out in my county to RNL Archery. Oh, they were they, they were incredibly helpful to me around. They gave me a tutorial about gun locks and mm-hmm. gun safe, and um, they were very respectful and knowledgeable and willing to be very helpful when I described what I was doing there. So that's that's a resource that people wouldn't necessarily think of. That's, that's out great. there. Um, Karen, we're talking about um, suicide prevention here in Vermont. And back, I think it was 2016, if my memory serves me, um, there was a lot of effort um, and people thought it would be a good idea to have mental health crisis workers like yourself join police 
at scenes where there was an obvious uh, person who was dealing with a mental health crisis. And they, I think they called it back then Team 2, and it's, it's apparently is still going on and perhaps more formal uh, more formal um, set, uh, setting right now because there's training available for local law enforcement and mental health crisis workers. It just makes a lot of sense to have the professionals out there helping the police. Um, could you talk about that a little bit? Sure, absolutely. So um, I'll start off by saying I'm very grateful for our partners in law enforcement and what I'll say about us in emergency services that I often say is we're pretty symbiotic creatures. We we need each other. I, I need all my partners, and I hope that they need us. So we've always done, in Washington County, we, we've always done collaborative responses together. Um, and the state did a great job, I, like you said, I think it was back in 2016, solidifying that we needed collaborative training together. So there's this wonderful training that's called Team 2. Uh, it's funded through the Department of Mental Health, and uh, an amazing woman, Christian Chandler, spearheads yeah. Team 2 throughout the state. And basically what happens is mental health crisis clinicians, so we're called different things in different parts of the state. Here we call our folks emergency screeners, but we... Um, have a joint training with our law enforcement partners. And it's just an invaluable experience to understand each other's roles, to understand each other's training, to hear each other's perspective, to troubleshoot when we've had situations that we talk through as examples, um, and to know each other. I, I always say that in emergency services, we have communication and collaboration, and that's what we have. And so we have to be able to talk to each other. And so Team 2 does a phenomenal job of both laying the foundation, but also, more importantly, from my point of view, creating relationships in emergency responders. Um, the initiative has grown over the years and now also includes dispatchers, mm. includes um, emergency um, EMS folks. Um, and also some folks uh, who specifically serve people with developmental uh, disabilities. Um, they have also come to the training as well. So um, it's a really powerful training from my perspective. The other initiative, just really quickly, that has been started in the last couple of years through the Department of Public Safety is um, where there is funding throughout the state for within all of the barracks, the Vermont State Police Barracks, there is funding um, through DPS for um, a mental health mm. police clinician to be based with all of the barracks and um, go on joint responses together. That is a perfect um thing to hear that that really makes a lot of sense she, that person's there to answer questions and um i mean it's a, it's you have to really know and be trained before you're dealing with somebody with mental health I'm, i'd always be afraid to say the wrong thing what would make sense to me might be the absolute wrong thing to say to somebody who's uh, struggling with mental health exactly it, it, exactly we're all doing the best we can in our right. roles and what um is really great about the team two training and having relationships is understanding the, the difference of our roles. So I am there to help provide support, de-escalation, problem solving for safe planning, 
the, the police are there to make sure we all stay safe. Mm-hmm. And when I say we all, I mean whether it's the people who are in distress, whether it's the community, or whether it's us as the mental health responders. Um, and, and sometimes also we go out on calls. We 60% of our calls, um, 64% actually, have nothing to do with law enforcement. So we do go by ourselves, and we go by ourselves more than not. And uh, I am not there to keep a scene secure in the same way that law enforcement is trained. And I'm really grateful for their help to keep us all safe. I know I used to have told you, uh, Chief Fakos, when Tony Fakos was here in Montpelier, he was my go-to guy uh, for radio, TV, whatever I was doing to talk about this kind of things. And um, we expect so much from our law enforcement people. Um, that I'm, I'm glad that, and I'm sure they're grateful that they're getting this help and support because how are they expected to know, um, what to do in these, in these kind of situations? Um, so I'm glad that that's working, but you told me that not everyone's taken advantage of this training, which we should send out a shout out and tell them to go get the training because you never know. Exactly. Exactly. I think there, there are many people trained and there's many people uh, left to be trained as well. And there are training set up throughout the state already um, in the next few months. And uh, anyone in mental health crisis response or law enforcement can certainly or EMS can certainly uh, connect to find out when those trainings are. Well, I hope they're listening because it's, it's a situation that can be prevented, as you said in, in um, one of your comments. It can be prevented if we all work together and um, and help these people through their crisis. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, anyway, I also read, Karen, that uh, the Department of Health, with some money from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they're developing a comprehensive suicide prevention program. I'm assuming you're at the table. It's supposed to be um, access to suicide prevention, education support. Um, this thing, this study won't be ready for a while now, but um, what what are you hoping for, will come out of this uh, work that they're doing? Sure. Um, actually, ironically, uh, at our, emer- our designated agency emergency service directors group, uh, Nick Nichols from the Vermont Department of Health came yesterday mm. and gave us an update about this. So it's Thank an you, initiative. Nick. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> He's great, and um, they're doing some great work on this project. But it's a five-year grant from the Centers for Disease Control that the state of Vermont has and the Vermont Department of Health is the administrator. It started in September of 2020. So to your point, it's a five year. So by September of 2025, they will have their final um, uh, recommendations and implementations uh, through the grant. Uh, I I should give a shout out also to the Center for Health and Learning. They are an organization in our state who has done a phenomenal job of advocacy for suicide prevention and administering grants that allow those of us in the field to engage in suicide prevention and postvention efforts. The, the project is pretty mammoth in terms of identifying and collating suicide prevention best practice and recommendations. Um, as well as suicide postvention. So what we talk about postvention, when I talk about prevention, we also talk about postvention and that 
is how do we provide support to families, loved ones, communities when someone dies by suicide. And so this project does do that as well. And Nick and the folks uh, who are helping implement this grant have done a great job of reaching out to us to find out what are we all currently doing within the state and uh, where are areas of gaps and what are best practice recommendations for both suicide prevention and prevention. The, the last thing I'll say on that is that part of what I appreciate about the project is learning from us, helping us um, continue to improve and evolve, and also making sure that there's parity around the state in terms of access to resources. So sometimes hmm. there can be pockets of areas that have um, great responses, and then through lots of different reasons and challenges, there can be other areas of the state that don't have access to the same resources. And I appreciate that there are efforts to try to make sure that every Vermonter has access to these prevention and post-prevention resources. You know, I don't know what made me think of this, but when you were talking, I thought suicide isn't just the individual who has taken his or her life. It's everybody that knows them, that the family, they, and my experience with, um, with a state employee, I felt so guilty. I mean, just why didn't I see it? Why didn't I help? Why? I mean, the, that must last forever for family members when you've lose when you lose somebody um, from suicide. And to me, if that's what your solution is to a problem, that is just so. I don't know what the word is. Sad. So something. I mean, that can't be the the solution. It can't. Yes. Um, so you absolutely you bring up um, a great tragic point about the families, friends, communities, loved ones who lose someone to suicide. Um, it's devastating. Uh, it has a ripple effect in ways that the person who has died um, could not imagine and fathom. And yes, I believe for suicide loss survivors, um, that stays with them for the rest of their yeah, lives. For sure. Uh, the piece that I just want to say really quickly that I, I want folks to know is we are here to support people um, who have lost loved ones to uh, suicide. And our message is you're not alone. And we're, we're here to help. And, um, and it is a grieving process yeah. that is tremendous. And we're here to provide support. I read there was a very small paragraph on your website and talked about zero suicide, the zero suicide project. And they talked about the zero suicide institute and that you, I got the impression we're putting together a clinical committee within uh, Washington County mental health and making sure that all staff play an important role in zero suicide. Could you talk about that a little bit, Karen? Sure. Absolutely. So, Zero Suicide is a, actually a national model of, uh, it's a public health model. And um, the idea behind it is believing that we can work our way. The goal is zero deaths by suicide yeah. and that it's a multi-pronged approach within the public health model to work towards zero deaths by suicide. Here at Washington, so in the state of Vermont, 
the Department of Mental Health and the Center for Health and Learning hold all of us together as the designated agencies um, and several of us have zero suicide initiatives within our counties. Specific to Washington County, we for several years now have had a zero suicide committee within our agency at Washington County Mental Health. And I'm really proud of the committee. The committee is represented by all of our divisions and super importantly by a community community member who has lost a loved one uh, to suicide. And she's of vital importance for us around if we're getting too stuck in policy or whatever, she helps us remember, um, let's make sure we're doing practical efforts uh, on a daily basis for suicide prevention. So that has been a great committee, active committee to be a part of. Um, zero suicide is meant to um, work together between uh, healthcare providers and mental health providers. It's uh, meant so that back to the piece about primary care offices and that that is where people are being seen, that they're asking specific questions related to suicide, uh, suicidal ideation, and those other questions that I asked about access to means, plan, intent, history of attempts, and then connecting. So a key to zero suicide is that there are warm handoffs and uh, they're called suicide safer care paths um, or pathways. And that's meant so that we all work together so that people don't fall through the cracks and that people can have access to care quickly and effectively um, in our county. So that's an overview of the Zero Suicide Initiative. Um, and I'm, I'm proud. We, we have a long way to go, and I'm proud of the efforts that we're doing here at Washington County Mental Health related to zero suicide and suicide prevention. You mentioned the word safer suicide care when you were talking. It sounds, I was trying to figure out what that meant and what I was reading on the website. Um, it, it just means that you're trying to make sure nobody falls through the cracks. Is that what that means? It, it uh, yes. I mean, that's, that's the general premise yeah. of it. And the specificity of the way that is, is that we're all willing. So, so in suicide prevention, um, what research shows is that I can't plant an idea of suicide in your head. So that used to be a, a thing that people are really worried about. That's a myth that's out there. As if I asked you, are you feeling suicidal, that I might, quote unquote, trigger that response for you. And research has debunked that. Um, so the idea is that every at, at all areas of interaction with the healthcare system, that we're asking those questions honestly, genuinely, and earnestly in a way also that we're prepared for the answers and then we have access to resources to help you. So that's hmm. the idea is that you're not asked the questions and then you leave and no one does anything about it or you're not asked the questions or you just fill out a form and then you right. leave Bye. or you go on a waiting list. It's, it's meant that we all are working together in unison to ensure that people know we're here, we care and we gotcha and you're not alone. 
this must be, um, I know we've, we've had this discussion over the years when I've worked in state government and done TV shows and stuff, and we've talked about all the, these different initiatives, and, um, I think it must be like trying to grab onto Jello, because everybody must be different in their, um, mental health crisis experience. And I, there's certainly no cookie cutter answer for sure, because we would have figured that out by now. Um, it, it's gotta be, such a huge challenge to figure out a way to deal with with the issue but on an individual basis right i mean it's just so it's so pliable so just like jello i mean you just can't catch it right i think in that when whenever i'm faced with that and feeling overwhelmed with this is just too much and too difficult and too individual i look for what are the tenants that mm. people can do? What can we right. do? And what we can do, we have a we have a card that we give out at Washington County, and, and it says three things. Show you care, ask about suicide, and get help. You are not alone. And mm. that's, that's back to the piece around when saying that everybody can do something. That That's what we all can do, and it's uncomfortable and it's hard, yep. and um, it can save lives. Uh, so I'll give a quick example is there's a documentary out there of a fellow who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and lived. It's called The Ripple Effect. And in that movie, he talks about that he he had his plan. He had intent. He had access to means. He had thought it all through and he was walking to where he was going to jump. And a woman came up to him and he later uh, said, I did not want to die by suicide. I thought I wanted to die by suicide, but I did not. And immediately once he jumped, he regretted his decision. Whoa. But he was hoping that in retrospect, he was hoping that that woman maybe was going to talk to him in some sort of way about like, how are you? It's nice to see you. Um, and instead what she asked was, could he take a picture um, of her? And it's not her fault in right. any sort of way. My point being is, he was looking for connection. She didn't know that. And I think we all just need to be more aware of the connection with each other and genuinely asking each other how we are and then prepared for the answers and knowing as the questioner that you're not alone either. We're here to provide help. Well, all I can say is thank goodness you're doing what you're doing because even though you may not know specifically I know you must change people's minds just like that gentleman who they say when a lot of people, when they jump off the bridge, the halfway down, they're like, "Mm -mm, this wasn't a good idea. Um, But I, I think uh, you are, you are doing such great work and continue to do such great work. You should feel very proud of what you do and what Washington County does. It's a great organization. Uh, Karen, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, And, um, it's inch by inch, I think. Um, so you just keep up the good work and thank everybody for us, for what you're doing. Um, we'll sign off. Um, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Karen, thank you so much. Thank you. 